welcome to Bukasa. My name is P.S. Nassim and this podcast is where I talk about books from the Desi perspective. For new listeners here, my usual format is to pick up two books in each episode, one new and one older but still relevant, and talk about their commonalities and their themes. I find that this format lets me talk about books and themes that I don't get to cover in my normal reviews for newspapers. And I've covered a few interesting ones in my previous episodes here already. Check those out. So today I'd like to talk about research. Uh, One of the common writing axioms is write what you know. I'm I'm sure you heard that one. AKA, uh, choose fields, domains, topics and so on that you're familiar with and use those in the story that you write. Uh, This advice is often contested and, you know, some writers twist it by focusing on inner emotions and so on. So instead of domains, uh, they'll choose inner conflicts that they're familiar with. Uh, Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't work. When it does, it's spectacular. I'm reminded of an interview I did a while back with uh, Peter James, a British crime fiction writer, where we spoke of the huge amount of time that he spent with policemen. Uh, learning their world and their language to be convincing in his writing. And his books, if you have read some of them, go deep into police detail and procedures. And it shows in his in his work, as I said. Another writer I think of is Arthur Haley, who famously spent a time, lot of time learning a new field for each of his books, whether it was the financial system or electrical, electricity generating grid or the airport or the hotel and so on. And it came to the point where the domain became the true star of the story in each of his books. He's kind of outdated now, but his stuff is still fun to read. Anyway, today let's look at two books that usually benefit from the research or maybe the occupation itself of the writers. The first book, the recent one, is Intersections by Gautam Mengele, published by Westland uh, this year in 2020. And the second is uh, The Englishman's Cameo by Madhulika Little by Hachette, published back in 2009. So let's start with the first one, so Intersections. Uh, right right at the, on the back cover is a blurb from the celebrated Rakesh Maria, you know, the super cop. And he describes his book as, Intersections describes vividly the challenges of a policeman's day at work while keeping the reader hooked till the end, a worthy effort. So I think right out there, you you know what we are going to talk about. The book goes deep into the policeman's uh, life. It's it's a cop thriller. It's in in the way that, for example, Bosch is is a cop thriller. Or or even the Peter James books that I mentioned earlier. And so uh, a bit, I think, about Gautam Mengele, the writer. This is his first book. But he's been a crime beat reporter for over 11 years, his blurb says. And he was there during 2611. He worked with uh, S. Hussein Zaidi. So he's got a bunch of on-the-job knowledge and I'm sure he's spent a lot of time with the police on understanding their routine and it shows throughout the book. Let's start with what page one sounds like. I'm skipping the prologue because that's building up suspense. I'll start with page one itself. Uh, People often talk about the beauty of South Mumbai, the pre-independence era architecture of several of its buildings, the arches and pillars of the Chhatrapati Shivaji Terminus railway station, the regal facade of the Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation building when it's all lit up at night, and countless other aspects 
have been the subject of many a coffee table book. Funny, Assistant Police Inspector Uday Matre thought, as he sat in the police vehicle, engine idling, waiting for the signal to change. No one ever, no one seems to have noticed how ugly it is. Also, or maybe they just ignore that. A teeming mass of humanity surged against Matre's police SUV as he waited with thinly veiled impatience. Men and women of all ages pressed past, engulfing him, making him want to draw his service weapon and start shooting blindly into the crowd. He hated this hour, when the office goers were released from their corporate prisons and made a mad dash for the first train or bus home. Some talking, some shouting, some laughing, some pissing him off by simply sweating so much that he wanted to grab them and beat them till they begged for mercy. Add to that the chaos of the buses and the myriad cars and two-wheelers. Alright, I'm, I'm stopping there. So, uh, what, what's the story about? Let's go into that. So, Matre is a police sub-inspector, as, as the intro said. And he is uh, haunted by an incident that occurred early in his career, five years ago, uh, at the famous Shivaji Park venue of Mumbai. Uh, and in parallel is is a fire that takes place in a hotel where a girl was seen and then disappeared and the girl is on a kind of secret mission uh, we only know her as chaya and she's got a well appropriately shadowy past and uh, matre is aware of this becomes aware of what's going on here and tries to investigate uh, a third thread is that of rohit a teenager who's in love with his teacher but there is more complexity to that plot as well. And so you have these three separate stories that kind of come together and start to intersect, as the title says, intersections. It's a cop thriller proper. Uh, there's a plot. Uh, he's trying to solve it before time runs out. And he goes through the procedures that the police force needs to go through. Uh, so you have informants and you have forms to fill up and you have bosses to explain things to and you have the inter-office politics and so on and so forth and mainly I think does a good job of putting all this together and turning it into a, a proper thriller that is fast paced so there were multiple things I liked about this book uh, as, I, as I already said uh, so the daily routine and the lingo of the police the way they talk to each other the terminology is captured really well I don't know if it's really what they use but in the book it sounds very authentic I'm sure he spent a lot of time doing this. So this, the sort of special squad that Matre is part of, the so-called Zone 1 squad, sounds realistic. It, it, it probably could be that there is something of this kind. The whole hierarchy of the police force, the informants that they use, the way those interactions happen, it's done really well. The sort of informal specializations that happen within the force where people are good at one or the other thing, comes through well and that's what forms the team that that works on the cases let me read out a bit from somewhere on page 80 which talks about one of these uh, so-called specializations every police unit station crime bar branch and special squad has its own in-house expert on technical investigation it can be an officer or a constable but the basic framework of this cop is the same they take a liking to the technical aspects of an investigation early on in their career and over the years start expanding their knowledge, reading up on the latest methods of detection, reports and studies, 
till they become the unit's go-to person for all things technical. In the Zone 1 squad, this expert was API Sushmita Kadam. In a male-dominated force, an even more male-dominated bastion of technical experts, Kadam was an exception. The 30-year-old strikingly pretty cop had been studying software engineering when she cracked the MPSC exams on her second attempt and got selected as a police sub-inspector. While she was equally efficient at other aspects of policing, analysis of CDRs and CCTV camera footage was Kadam's forte. Right? So that's how this particular expert is introduced in the movie. And she, and she has an important role to play. So, uh, as I said, you know, uh, Mingli does this good job of putting together these kinds of characters. Funnily enough, the person I found the weakest sort of stereotype, and, and I hate to say this, is Uday Matre himself. He reminds me of uh, the hero from uh, you know many other cop thrillers and movies, the kind of burnt out cop suffering from trauma from his past, which is which is a fair ask and which is uh, probably a common enough stereotype, the overwork and the stress of the job. But I felt that Mengli could have done better to flesh him out a little bit more. On the other hand, I really like that uh, this book doesn't set up our his hero as a recurring hero. Um, which is a very good thing. So this is the thing that I find very irritating about books like your Peter James series and so on and so forth, even Bosch for that matter, where the adventure or the problem or the the, the case that the users that he's involved in is not his you know life-defining case and doesn't affect him personally to a great level. Now, I like to call this and I called it out in my blog years ago as the Amar Akbar Anthony problem which is that a movie like Amar Akbar Anthony uh, would never have a sequel because it spans the hero's entire lives pretty much from their childhood to the point where everything in their life is sorted out and nothing's coming up after that. So in the same way, uh, in this case, Uday Matre basically goes through uh, a lot of problems. He's had a past, he's had problems, but many of them get resolved over the course of this book, a lot of them. And especially in terms of his trauma and his problems with his job. So you don't really see how he would have a second uh, novel based around him unless there's something totally different, which I don't mind. I would rather mainly pick up new characters and create new all-around plots every time. One other thing I liked here is uh, Mingle's willingness, uh, happiness to use these typical Mumbai locations. You can tell that's where he lives himself. You got your Shivaji Park, you got your Bandra Bandstand. The first page talked about the CST station and all these other locations. You know, all that is great. That's what makes a Mumbai novel a Mumbai novel. On the other hand, again, the it could have been longer. I think this book is about maybe 250 pages or so. The things come together rather too quickly towards the last maybe 50 pages. And uh, the trend in this genre today is uh, a somewhat longer book with a more involved plot. And, and not to say that we add filler into the story, but I think readers would easily have uh, born with uh, a plot that's a little more involved and longer. It doesn't matter though. The What we've got is good. It's fast-paced and it's fun to read. And I highly recommend this for fans of thrillers and who want Desi fiction that is different from the standard Indian serious literary fiction. So this is a fun book and definitely worth reading. All right. So I am supposed to take a break here and then come back to the second part. But today's break is a little different because I am going to talk about a book 
that I feel personally very close to. And uh, although it's not related to the topic of this podcast, well, this is an ad as as close you can get to as an ad in this podcast. And uh, what I want to point you guys to is uh, Blaft's recent release, which is uh, called Ghosts, Monsters and Demons of India. Um, I don't don't have a a stake in selling this book, although I did help with edits and so on and so forth. And it's one of the most complete compendiums of uh, supernatural creatures from all across India. I think the book has been multiple years in the making and uh, it shows in the research that's done and some of the original material that's been collected. The illustrations that are scattered through are beautiful. A, A variety of excellent artists have contributed to the making of this book and I would highly recommend it if you're interested in anything A. Pulpy, B. Serious Research but Supernatural, C. If you're in any any kind of horror or supernatural or weird fiction that you're keen on and last but not the least if you're interested in Indian culture in general or learning more about the country or learning more about the things that go on around you and the things that prey in the backs of our minds. This is an awesome set of fears for you to catalog and go through it. It's an excellent book and you should definitely look at it. And speaking of which, let's get back to the topic of our day, which was research. Uh, the book I just spoke about, the Monsters and Ghosts book, I am actually reminded, funnily enough, of uh, many years ago, a book I wrote, uh, a trunk novel, so to speak, which never got published. Uh, this was a complete novel, uh, 80,000 words at the time, which used Indian black magic extensively. The idea was to create a kind of desi version of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Nozel or a book of that nature. And I decided to spend a huge amount of time with uh, black magic for the research, including meeting a few black magicians, tantrics, reading upon them and so on and so forth. I even tried a few small spells which didn't work for me. When I sent it out, it got rejected everywhere. You know, maybe it was my writing, I thought. So I gave it to a friend to read. He read it and he gave it back to me after a few months. He hadn't gotten past even the first chapter. So it seemed that the black magic terminology that I had picked up and used had been so involved and so random that uh, he couldn't make head or tail of what was going on. Eventually, he just put comments in all these places that he couldn't understand. The comment just said bump, 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 as in yet another road bump in the narrative. I don't know what's going on. So that was when I understood that you know too much research is bad as well. It needs to serve the story, move the story forward, and not the other way around. The story doesn't serve the research. Fortunately, uh, Gautam Mengele makes his research work well in intersections. And for my second writer of the day, Madhulika Little, she does a brilliant job with it too. So the second book that I want to talk about is uh, The Englishman's Cameo, uh, which was Madhulika Little's first book published back in 2009 by Hachette. So Little herself, uh, she's written tons of short stories and articles before this book came out. And even today, she has an excellent blog on Hindi cinema, which you should totally check out. Uh, Her sister, by the way, is a historian and she focuses on Delhi history. And she heads the Delhi chapter of Intak. By the way, you should see my episode on Meera Iyer for more more info on Intak. So there's there's a fair amount of background here already and I imagine that Little has all the material she needs to research the 
topic of this book and the theme and setting which is uh, uh, the Mughal years in Delhi uh, the last couple of years of Shah Jahan's era in fact last two years of his rule and the setting is the city that he established Shah Jahan I mean uh, called Shah Jahanabad today known as Old Delhi and little has put in all the research and the writing that's needed and all the work needed to bring this work bring this world alive for us it's it's brilliant let me read out in fact uh, i think from page three uh, a bit of the so there's uh, an elephant uh, battle going on at shah jahan's court and the noblemen are watching it as he goes so this is the introduction of the characters the elephant was being goaded on by its mahout who was using the hooked ankush and a volley of abuses to encourage his mount. The animal lumbered reluctantly forward towards the wall that separated it from its opponent. Idiotic decision, grumbled an old man sitting in a ramshackle boat loosely moored to a pole driven into the river bank. He was tanned a deep nut brown, grizzled and wiry, and wore a simple muslin jama and pajama both well worn. It is foolish to tire out an animal by opting for the wall. By the time that elephant's broken down the wall and got to the other side, he'll be too tired to fight. A tall young man stood at the prow of the boat, watching the spectacle. He was about 25 years old, broad-shouldered and fine-featured. He wore no beard and his moustache was short and well-trimmed. The rich green choga and sturdy boots he had on marked him as an Umrah, a nobleman. The unfashionable lack of jewellery and embroidery on his clothing marked him also as something of a maverick. He turned now to glance at the older man and grinned. I had no idea you took such an elephant, such an interest in elephant fights, Salim, he said. What's the matter? Do you have a wager on that elephant? So this nobleman, of course, is our title character, Muzaffar Jung. And right after this scene, he drives through Shah Jahanabad, uh, through Chandni Chowk, through the various houses. Uh, the scene right before this one has a courtesan receiving money to get some kind of underhanded deed done. Wait, hang on, I didn't tell you. This is a true blue murder mystery, by the way, uh, with a nobleman murdered and Muzaffar Jung uh, solving the mystery because his own friend is accused of the crime. So Jung, who is our hero, is a maverick in the mold of Holmes or more similarly, maybe Brother Catfile. And he decides to break conventions and find the murderer himself here. So this is a proper period murder mystery. There's not too many of those in India and not in English for sure. And uh, I think what Little has done here is to take her research of this period of history. It is relatively well documented but not featured in fiction as much as it should be. And she's taken the stereotypes around the maverick private investigator and fitted them really well into this, this kind of setting. You know, he has, uh, this guy is a, a privileged upper caste kind of character, but he has his helpers, uh, his brother-in-law who is the Kotwal uh, who is not too happy about helping him, but he still does. He has a Watson of sorts. He himself is uh, a maverick like Sherlock Holmes or Brother Catfile. There are clues and so on and so forth. 
so the story is moderately placed it it's doesn't have too many action pieces it's uh oh sorry i mean moderately paced in rather languid in fact but it doesn't matter because you are enjoying the setting enough it's fun to live this place it's fun to live in this world and just understand and uh, little takes us by the hand and leads us through explaining the things not going too far deep into the research not leaving it too superficial just enough for us to really understand and that setting is a real star here the characters and so on she's done brilliant job here i mean small things like for example coffee being the new fad of the court and uh, muzaffar jung tasting it but not really liking it too much but coffee houses springing up everywhere for example uh, of course there are a few things that don't make sense for us when the book is written in english so you have to kind of tolerate it uh, this is the mogal court and people are not likely to be talking in english but you kind of live with that i guess so this is the first in a series by the way uh, there are three more books featuring muzaffar jung after this uh, the, one of them is a short story collection and i haven't read the short story collections yet but i read the last one in the series which is called crimson city which was pretty good too i'm hoping there is more but it's been 5 years since the last book released so madhulika uh, little if you are listening please write more of these books but even if not i guess the best that we can uh, hope for is a tv adaptation so if uh, amazon prime video or netflix picks this up and makes this into a series it it would probably be awesome all right so just to recap uh, the two books that we covered today were uh, gautam mengle's intersections published by westland in 2020 uh, it's priced at 399 but you'll probably get a discount on it if you buy it at amazon Uh, or support your local bookstore. Uh, the second book is uh, Madhulika Little's The Englishman's Cameo, published by Hashet India in 2009, and this is priced at 395. So as I record this, it is the 28th of December. I might take a day or two to release this episode, but in any case, I this is a winding down for the year. So uh, thank you all of you. who have been a part of this journey starting from january i have delayed this episode by quite a bit so i apologize i think real life got in the way in multiple ways but i hope to have a three episodes more or so after this one before i end season 1 of bookasur and uh, if you'd like to listen to more of what i have to say or even have a chat with me follow me on twitter definitely uh, i tweet at ps_nisim that's n i s s i m and of course do subscribe to this podcast so i know how many of you folks are listening and do tell your friends so thanks everyone again for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and please take care of yourself and a happy new year to all of you